Hey folks, welcome to the Green Root Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg. For this episode, I would like to welcome Florence Blondell. Florence was born and raised in Uganda and holds an MSc in Population and Development from the London School of Economics and Political Science. She is an award-winning journalist, digital storyteller, and a campaigner with a passion for the environment, health, science, and the rights of women and girls. Welcome to the Green Root Podcast, Florence. Thank you so much, Josh. It's so fantastic to be here with you. Thank you for hosting me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here and we're going to get into some interesting topics here. So let's start with just a, a broad brush. What's what's on your radar right now in terms of environmental issues across the world? Yeah, well, on the broader aspect of things, uh, definitely I'm so impassioned about, you know, looking at biodiversity loss. Uh, I was working with an organization which campaigns against biodiversity loss. And that was so much on my radar. I just fell in love with practically everything to do with biodiversity, forests, uh, the poor animals, from the smallest insects to the biggest, biggest of them all. You know, I've been reading up and updating myself on stuff, looking at birds, looking at interconnections, you know, like not undermining any animal in the ecosystem at all. And of course, making interconnections, of course, with population, like you had my master's in science and population and development. So we'll be making those interconnections. And yes, of course, there is climate change. I've even participated in school climate strikes, even, even if I'm an adult and I was out of school, but yeah, climate change. And of course, anyone would be, I don't know, I don't want to say dumb or dense, or I don't know, just ignorant. And ignorant is no bliss anymore to not talk about climate change the current situation, what we are facing. Because still there's the interlinkages, climate change, biodiversity loss, everything is interconnected. Human population growth, high fertility rates. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that you see the interconnections. I think one of the failures of the environmental movement is sometimes we'll just pick a topic and we'll just be like, this is everything, this is the only thing and not seeing how Mm -hmm. it's all connected. And we can't really afford to do that anymore. I mean, people can have their focuses. Let's say some people, oh, I'm working on climate change. That's great. But are you tying into these other issues? And yeah, you named some big ones there, biodiversity loss, population, climate. So what about biodiversity loss concerns you? Where where have you witnessed things like that or, or researched? What's on your mind in regards to that? Well, we can even just, I can just start with my own country. I'm born and bred Uganda and I just moved to the developed world just about, what, six years back, five years back. But you see, first of all, you look at issues to do with poverty. You look at high fertility rates. You look at our forests. We are losing, like in some districts, like my own, actually, where I come from in Uganda, my UK, we've lost 100% 100% of the forest. Is that even normal? Other areas over 70%, others over 50%. And no one is talking about that. And this is now a country whereby even the population is growing at a rate of 3.2, 3.5%. And what does that mean if a, group, a population grows at such a rate? It's doubling almost every 20 to 23, 25 years compared to other countries like here, maybe in the developed world, or if looking at the UK whereby the population might double in over 100 years as we are doubling in that. And we are relying on scanty, scarce resources, whereby we think, well, there's an abundance, but 
that's not working out. And I've noticed that there was, there was a, a research which was done actually in the country in 2015, National Service Delivery Survey, and they found that 40% of the observed degradation of the environment was attributed to the current population growth. You know, and it's something we never talk enough about. Of course, there are so many other factors which tie in. But for me, I feel like this is something we should also highlight. It's been neglected. You know, most Ugandans, we depend on the natural resources for our livelihood. In fact, uh, about 96% of the households rely on biomass as source of cheap cooking and heating, you know, eating energy. You know, so there's a lot of exacerbation from all angles, poverty, exacerbating, you know, these population growth contributing to these, you know, it's a whole cycle. And when we neglect one thing in that equation, I feel like we are losing out, you know? So look at the population as it grows, we are rapidly, we are manufacturing many goods, you know, rapidly, there is a demand. And for poor nations, actually, oftentimes we mine resources in unsustainable ways, you know, we use the crudest of crudest of tools to get these. So you can see now there's a notable increase in air and water pollution, you know, we have actually a rich biodiversity in Uganda, you know. It's one of the countries which has one of the richest diverse biodiversities. But I've been seeing this getting destroyed. Hmm? Yes, of course, we want to be developed, but development here comes at a cost. And inevitably, it involves increased energy use and everything else in between. And like the developed world also want to get out of poverty, obviously. That's one of the solutions actually that, you know, I'd love also to talk more about because it's for us, it's driving the biodiversity loss, you know. It's really driving it. We have scant resources. You see people fighting for water, going to the wells and getting even you know, dirtiest of waters. That's why we have some of, you know, diarrhea diseases never leave us, you know, all these interconnections. So, yeah. It, it's it's amazing. And then when you look at even countries like the UK, because I was working with Population Matters, which is UK based, and they look at, you know, a healthy planet, as well as all these solutions, they make the connections. Uh, 2019 study found that, you know, in the UK, you know, the set of the nature report in the UK identified water abstraction, urbanization, and infrastructure development as the main drivers of biodiversity loss. And all these, of course, are consequences as well of population growth, you know, it's growing. Even in here in the developed world, because it's now that's been now going into even consumption, because then you consider about consumption. So you make, you tie consumption, and people always make the argument for consumption, but who is consuming? Who is behind those numbers? Even when we say, oh, it's the richest 1% who are contributing to climate. Who are these richest 1% producing for? As people who have refused to, you know, live minimal lives and say, yeah, we want, we want, we want, we want, we want, we consume. So anyway, back to biodiversity loss. And of course, I, I love forests, you know, deforestation, it's really, really a huge thing. I feel like people are clearing forests with impunity. Of course, you can't blame them because there's a lot of poverty. Like in Nigeria, actually, they attribute poverty as well as population growth for the erosion, you know, of forests. People are desperate for land to feed their growing families, you know. And so land is cleared for agriculture. There's increased charcoal and wood fuel demand. Like it's really on a high demand in most of sub-Saharan Africa, especially. I'll talk mostly about that, you know. 
of course, in social development, excessive harvesting, non timber. Oh my God, it's just too much. Like, I know I was a journalist, active journalist in Uganda, and you go up country, all across the country, and you just see people carrying charcoal, bags of charcoal, because we burn it and put it into charcoal. It's what people use to use a few refined sacks and sacks. But behind those sacks, you, I'm looking at forests. And you look, at, you talk to district leaders and they say, yes, there is a lot of decimation, but people are poor. And then there's a lot of wildlife conflict, you know, and wildlife conflict, you know, human wildlife conflict. conflict. It's just people are invading the forests. They are invading their habitats, you know? So poor guys are not surviving. And you notice that uh, I've, I've looked at different reports from the uh, WWF, who say that we've lost almost what, 70%? So it's just so, it's unbelievable. So in 2019, there was a study actually which found that even our population growth, you know, being the driver of environmental degradation in most African countries. And it's because of these reasons that we fail to address. And it's all a cycle, just going around. Wildlife populations are plummeting, you know land, water devoted to agriculture is just, it's just insane. And you find people are not even accessing this water, this resource, and they don't wanna talk about what's driving all this, you know? And we know there have been scientists reports because now this is backed by science and most of us are now believing so much in science, you know? So many science have come out to see this interconnection including I was actually privileged to work with the Science Warning, which is now called Science, Science, Science Warning Foundation. And they work with the Allied Science and there was that report of the Science Warning to Humanity, which has been signed by more than 20,000 scientists now. And they looked at population growth, you know, as a factor in ecological destruction you know, so of course they looked at other factors, energy, short-lived pollutants, nature, food, economy, and population. But this population is something that people never talk about when we come to talk about ecological destruction, when we talk about even climate change, you know, all these drivers, we shouldn't be neglecting anything anymore, honestly, in my opinion. Well, thank you for that. I think that's a great overview of all these topics. And yeah, you did a great job of tying it all together, which it's a tricky thing to do. Again, it's easy to look at, oh, here's this one thing over here. Here's this other thing. But finding that interconnection and then also getting to the root of these things, or I see it as there are various roots or rootlets. But yeah, I think you bring up an excellent point about, so in countries like Uganda or Nigeria, we did a podcast with uh, Uche Zikie. He's the executive director of Rural Watch Africa Initiative, and he works mm -hmm. in Nigeria. And he was talking about very similar issues. And of course, when it comes to deforestation over there, sure, some of it is greedy multinational corporations destroying the forest, but a lot of it, and maybe even most of it, I don't know, it's folks mm -hmm. trying to survive. Yeah, and that's it. You can't take that away from people. So it's not as easy to be like, oh, those evil corporations. It's like, well, it's it's people who need to live. And it's not people who are just accumulating all these resources and luxury. It's survival. Mm -hmm. 
So that makes it a very difficult topic, I think, for environmentalists to talk about because no one wants to say, oh, you can't go in there and cut down your fuel wood so you can cook for your food for the night. Who would want to say no to that? And the answer is not really saying no to that. It's, yeah. it's, it's providing other alternatives. It seems. Mm -hmm. But as you're saying, if, if population keeps going up, that's a hard thing to keep track it is. of. So what, what do you, what is a way to, and this is a, a doubt anyone can answer this question very simply, but what could be some alternatives to, to going through a process where the land base is going to need to be used up and then eventually everyone in the country is going to suffer? Are there alternatives? Yeah, like I said, it's a hard one, but yeah, for me, like still, I'm going to give you population-based solutions because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm a bit obsessed with even with high fertility and my country has really a high fertility rate just beginning to come down. You know, personally, I come from a very big family. Yeah, so <laughs> there is that. So there's a lot of scrambling for even res resources, even land. Like there is so many of you, people are killing each other over land out there in that country. If it were documented really well, well, it's one of the top reasons given for, you know, crime rate going up and stuff, but you have 10, 15 children, you have almost 20. Well, my grandfather had over 45, so, and he had this piece of land, like you can't distribute it all to everyone, you know? So people are fighting over land. People are using up the land. People are catching up, you know, any tree that's in within and they don't see all the consequences. So the government really should come out strongly, obviously. Educate people, by the way, I, I should talk about educating people. People do not understand the consequences of doing something. People may not even understand the use of a, a bloody tree. Like, oh, there's a tree there, wow. What's its use? What does it do, you know? Those who go back to the basics, you'd be surprised. People don't understand why people are interested in conservation of nature, conservation of these unique plants, conservation of just about anything. So I believe we need more education. People need to understand, especially the connections. People need to understand what's the use of a bee. I see people just strike a bee. They just want to strike them and hit them up. People never analyze, people never look at this. I, there's a story I did one time and I saw people just attacking bats. They want to kill the bats. They don't know the importance of bats to the ecosystem, you know? So we all need to understand all of this and know that, wow, you know a bat? It will disperse seeds and this and this and this will happen and it can help even reforestation. It can do this. The bee, those pollinators, why you see the food you're eating? We do not understand that. Like most of us, honestly, we live in ignorance and that's horrible. That's what's killing us. But if people appreciated nature, if people understood that, wow, okay, this and this and this, I love to see this education going out strongly. The basics, back to the basics, it's not happening. People just go to school, they drums have not got school, they drop out of school and they never get the opportunity. So we have that problem, you know, people don't look at things critically. So the government really, I feel like, should come out strongly on that, go back to those basics, do campaigns, because all now we can do is talk, 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 and pray that someone can listen and get this information and decide for themselves, because that's what's important. Even when I'll be talking about the population-based solutions, choice. People give them the information, trust me. People always choose to go with the right way of things. So there is that. And then of course, 
I know people, when you hear people talking about, oh, population policy, people fear, of course, control, control, but it's not about control. These are human, human solutions, because if we want to see our high fertility go down, which is really impacting us, of course, we get excited. Oh, we have so many young people now, so many young people now. Young people for whom we are not doing anything. Young people for whom we are not providing, you know, health services, education services. Oh, in trying to provide those services, we we neglect other sectors. So that's what's happening, you know, in my country, that disorganization. Okay, let's deal with this and then ignore that. Environmental issues can be, you know, put aside like, okay, what about the environment? Uh -huh, so what? No, 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 we need to educate people. We need to give them, you know, good health, which is not there by the way, it's bad health services. Of course we are improving, which is a good thing. But so you can imagine, it's it's a gamble choosing, you know, between this and that, and then this and that. And that's why I like about, you know, countries out here. I mean, most of you guys have achieved this, you know, human development index. People now can demand and say, okay, let's look at the climate crisis. You know, there's a problem. For us, we're not really at that stage of challenging the government and saying, uh-uh, we have a climate crisis. Our environment is getting degraded. No, no, no. Right now, we are telling the government, uh, we are poor, we are poor, we want to eat, we want food, uh, we want health, our hospitals are horrible. If I go to a hospital, they're not going to, there's not going to be any doctor, there's not going to be this medicine, there are always talkouts, there is this and this. So the environment is neglected even by the public, really. We never demand enough for services. We don't have that empowerment, which comes also through education formal and informal, which we are not getting enough of. So I feel like there is an injustice there, really. That's an injustice when someone does not have information, how the hell are they supposed to protect what you think is most cherished? So we need the government to come on board and say, okay, we need to stabilize our population growth. You know, Of course they have good policies. I must say that for most African countries, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa, whereby they are already targeting because they know population is a problem, which is affecting almost everything in the countries. And even their biodiversity reports that I've looked at, they recognize that, you know, they list it as one of the main problems and say, okay, how do we look at this, you know? So how do you look at it? Increase contraceptive, the contraceptive prevalence. Some countries are trying, like Kenya, by the way, which also has a rich biodiversity and it has been losing it. And they also came out clearly and stated that population was one of the main drivers, you know? So you can see all these things and we can't ignore them anymore. So increase the contraceptive prevalence. Many women want to use contraceptives, but they can't for numerous reasons, by the way, which the government needs to consider availability, accessibility, uh, looking at, of course, cultural aspects as well, patriarchy, which is a lot of BS which we are yet to really to deal with, whereby you have to get permission from a man to start using contraceptives. What the hell is that? In this day and age, uh, culture or this lie, we've just lived with this lie of growing up and being told that, oh yeah, you're a woman, you have to give up, produce, produce, produce. But we are producing and hurting the environment and we are hurting ourselves because women are dying out there, a lot of maternal mortality in my country, in Sub-Saharan Africa in general, you know, because every birth just reduces your life, you know, every birth and the health is poor, the health system. So you can imagine this is impacting women. They never 
producing anything. And remember, I mean, there are many studies, I don't know, I can't go into it, the effect of climate change on women, the effect of bees on women. Women are, play a great role, you know, in the environment. And for us, we're not doing that. We are busy just making babies, you know. We've been reduced, shackled to childbearing and child rearing. When are we going to be productive? When are we going to get out of the cycle of poverty? So yeah, I would love to see governments really making all these connections and deciding and saying, okay, good people, you're going to educate women. We are going to ed educate you all, but particularly education for women, you know, because we play a great role in this environmental moving, movement in climate change and everything. We're out there in the gardens morning, night and day. We are the ones. So we need all this information. Yeah. Well, once again, you sum it up pretty darn well. So I have been focusing a bit in the U.S. on issues with consumption, of course, because in the U.S., mm. sure, we do have population issues, but it's more that the average individual in the country does use a lot compared to the rest of the world. And of course, the extremely wealthy. So I think that's important. But of course, if you're talking about consumption, you have to talk about mm. the number of consumers. And what you're saying is that in places like Uganda, people are not necessarily living very high on the hog. They're not utilizing a ton of resources, but mm. just you do the math exponentially, there are enough people using little bits. It's yeah. add up. So yeah. I think that's pretty obvious and elementary. However, you are right. This is not talked about much. And I guess the question I have for you is, so, so I can understand, let's say in Uganda, if it's going against cultural norms or things like that, that, that can be a, a limitation. But, but in the US, for instance, mm -hmm. when population is brought up, typically the people who bring it up are... <laughs> let's just say frowned down upon by other environmentalists. So I've had a few yeah. folks on the podcast to talk about population. So what have you seen about when folks in the so-called developed world bring up population? What sort of uh, response do they get? Of course, they're accused of being eugenists, uh, racists, uh, you know, all those stupid, stupid ones you can think about, eco-fascists, you know, you name it, which is really, really wrong. This is something that we need to talk about. Uh, and you know, for me, you know, like population explosion for me means just suppressing women's rights, especially in the low-income countries mostly. Obviously out here, you've managed at least most countries have managed to go to the, you know, below replacement level whereby you know, a couple can replace itself. They give birth about two, well, they say 0.1 children, let's keep it at two. Uh, other countries are below two, 1.75, I think. Yeah, one is at 1.1, that could be countries like Japan. But it's important. And for me, when I see environmentalists not really talk about this, I feel like it's a, it's a sham. It, they're not doing you know, the right thing. You know, they really should talk about it. It's like burying their heads in the sand. I uh, remember uh, Population Matters president, actually, Jonathan Porritt, he's one of the greatest environmentalists in the UK. And we were in this, we were having a, a chat via Zoom with other people. And he said, you know, he was sacked as an ambassador from WWF. <laughs> Why? Because he was raising the issue of population, you know? 
So I was like, wow, are they also going to, you know, to fire the great Sir David Attenborough, who is always talking about these interconnections as well, saying that, hello, uh, we, you, you can't, you know, the more we are, the more problems we are creating for the environment, you know, no matter where we are, because even in the developed world, people should be having smaller families because we know the high consumption here in the developed countries. So one child, obviously, here produces more emissions than about, I don't know, 20 in Uganda, could even be more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd be surprised if you went to my country, you see people, you know, some don't, you know, emit, you know. So really, when you're talking about it, it cuts across. And environmental organizations need to talk about this. They need to keep talking about the empowering solutions, you know. Uh, contraceptives, education, you know. In the WWF's, you know, latest 2020 Living Planet report, of course, they looked at population sizes of birds, mammals, fish, amphibians, and reptiles, you know, dropping at an average rate of almost, yeah, I say it's almost 70% since 1970. And the reasons they give, of course, conversion of grasslands, savannas, this is globally, even in their global countries, forests and wetlands, of exploitation, of exploitation of species, climate change, introduction of alien species. Yeah, of course, we are not responsible for those alien species, although sometimes we carry them forth and forth as humans. But then, what's driving the rest? The numbers, human population growth. And, you know, people, you know, they have this, oh, we don't want to talk about that bedroom issues. Oh, it's this and this. Oh, this and this is connected. But it's the reality. And like I said, science is now backing us up. Even the UN's, you know, intergovernmental science policy platform on biodiversity and ecosystem services, quite a long mouthful, IPBES, IPBES or IPBES. You know, that report which came out and said, you know, one million species are now threatened with extinction. And the main threats are from human activities, the ones that I've talked about already, habitat destruction, exploitation, climate change, pollution, all driven by population growth. You know, these reports are all coming out and recognizing this. I've already talked about the world science warning to humanity, human population growth given as the main driver and it needs to be addressed. So I don't know, these guys believe in science, these environmental organizations, but why are they coming on board, you know? So I don't understand why they ignore this and then they accuse, anyone talks about population is accused of being a eugenist, is accused of being a racist, is accused of you know wanting to wipe out, well, some say actually that, okay, now you want to wipe out the white population. Another one say, okay, now you want to wipe out the Africans, you're racist. So they don't even know what to stick with, you know, in these arguments. So for me, I feel like this is an issue we shouldn't ignore because if you go back to look at uh, Paul Ehrlich's equation, he did it with someone else, the IPAT equation, mm-hmm. it's so clear, the impact on the environment you're looking at population, you're looking at the affluence, that is the consumption, and of course, technological innovations. So why are we ignoring the P in IPAD, you know? Exactly. Why are we ignoring that? So I feel like we should talk about it. And of course, like you said, you know, per capita consumption, yes. It's fairly low in Africa. And one of the reasons, like I already mentioned, of course, thinking poverty. But then remember that a lot of efforts to convert this poverty and we just think this happened in countries like Nigeria. Uh, we are all going to get out of poverty at one time. We might, although uh, some of our leaders out there, they keep up, <laughs> they keep us in that stinking, stinking cycle. 
But, you know, countries like China, they've come out of it and they're increasing their per capita consumption. So imagine now in Uganda, you find a family of what? Seven, 10, 15 children. They're lifted out of poverty. They're all consuming. They all want these big, big gadgets. They all want to fly. Of course, no one should be denied the chance, you know, to want to travel and fly. Everyone should experience that. But then let this find a smaller family, which can be accommodated where by, you know, at least, okay, about less than, I don't know, two children. Of course, I'm not prescribing for anyone, but that's an ideal smaller family because we've looked at, you know, the rich re- replacement at which the population replaces itself. That would be the ideal target even from the UN, you know. So if we could get that, but trust me, the richness, the riches are going to find us when we are huge families. And if we can, we are going to consume everything in sight. And who knows, we may beat you guys at (laughs) the carbon emissions, you know. So yeah, still driving climate change, still, still driving. And then look at countries like Uganda, of course. Uh, livestock, we have great potential, you know, for farming. It's yet to be realized in most countries, in Uganda for sure, but that's a looming threat. It's a looming threat, the methane emissions from cattle. You know, these are something really to worry about. And I was reading this lovely book and I actually once, did I interview him? Well, I invited him to a conference I was holding in with Population Matters and was one of our key speakers. Uh, the writer of Dead Zone, where the wild things were, by mm. Philip Lembre. Mm. You know, he talks about uh, farming, you know, animal farming, about, you know, about 70 billion farm animals are reared for food annually, mostly factory farmed. So they are competing for food with humans and, of course, increasing emissions. And we are going to get to that stage. Actually, uh, Philip gives a startling statistic for me. I, I, it was shocking to me, like for every 1 billion extra people. And trust me, we are adding about two, two, what? 1 billion every 12 years for every billion extra people. This comes with an extra 10 billion farm animals, you know, 10 billion farm animals. So we are on, like he says, a precipice of a real planetary crisis. And this is coming to my country because we've not yet realized that potential. So yeah, we are t- talking about climate change, mostly being you know, out, you know, even when you talk to people, like sometimes I engage with the journalists, so I was like, oh, Florence, climate change things, those are for the developed countries, those are for white people, you know? Like, hey, honey, look at it this way. You know, you try to explain to people and make all these connections, but they don't wanna see it. Climate change, <laughs> I don't know if we are talking even about that. <laughs> Sorry, you were asking me about, you know, population and consumption and here in the developed world and when people think about population and I was getting all out there. No, this is all connected. Yeah. This is all great. This is this is exactly what we need to be talking about. And yeah, you're talking a bit about, of course, in a country where people are trying to survive. I mean, well, during the pandemic here in the US, we're having a hard time surviving too. But yeah. aside from that, Folks on a regular basis are just trying to get by. So the idea of, hey, you should care about these wild species or you should care about the climate. <laughs> that's not how the hierarchy of needs works. And no one's expecting no. not to be patronizing, but no one is expecting people who are just trying to survive to be caring about those issues right now. It's, it's almost like not their responsibility. At a certain point of time, it's going to be, but it's understandable. We're trying to survive it and people are trying to survive that is mostly what's on their radar, the day-to-day, totally understandable. So the issue, mm-hmm. what you're saying is, that's why in 
pretty much every country, but also in places like Uganda, population is something that needs to be on the radar. And I guess you're framing it in terms of this is empowering women to make choices about their lives. It's giving women control over their bodies and it's getting people out of poverty. So Mm -hmm. it would be hard to find somebody who's an environmentalist or a humanist who would oppose any of those concepts. Yeah, but exactly. as soon as you say the P word, they're oh. like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. They're like, oh, what the hell? And yet for me, like I already said, no, a high population growth, high fertility. The impact is felt by a woman, a woman in rural Uganda, a woman in rural Nigeria, a woman in rural Niger. You know, they're Niger, I think the average fertility is above seven, you know. Hello, average. And you go in other families, it's worse. And they're living in poverty. So all these connections need to make them. And this property is affecting the environment, which the ENGOs, the environment organizations, want to protect ferociously. So how are you protecting it without looking at, you know, other causes? When you can find simple technological solutions, you know. So yeah, that's where we are. And you know, about what, 270 women had an unmet need for contraception in 2019. So this is something we need to look at. Women want to use the contraceptives. Women want these, they're demanding for them. And some governments are even like, okay, we even want the demand to increase because they see the need, they see the impact this is having, you know? Food production, we, we are going to want to eat and eat. But that, there's that landmark 2019 Lancet report, EHT Lancet report commission on feeding the world, uh, which looked at, you know, we, we are going to need radical changes, you know, feeding everyone sustainably. They say it was possible, but healthy diets from sustainable food systems are possible for up to 10 billion people, but becomes increasingly unlikely past this population threshold. Mm-hmm. So, and we've seen the, I don't know, we looked at the projections, the UN projections, our population is going to be almost, what, 10 billion by 2050 and might exceed that. And that's looking at, you know, the number variant. Now, if you look at the highest variants from the UN, of course, we want to go with the low variant and that would make everyone happy. But it's not happening because we are not using these simple technologies to end this, you know. So yeah, population growth is becoming a problem to the environment and we need to talk about it, as well as other factors which we've been giving enough space, you know. The population matters, yes, we have population matters, but they talk about all these solutions. They talk about conception, and if you go to the website, you would see it clearly. I would encourage everyone to go to populationmatters.org. You see it clearly. They talk about the environment, what's affecting it in detail. They talk about consumption, and they talk about, you know, population. And the solutions, the human voluntary solutions. Of course, you're not going to China where we're telling people, uh, one child policy, oh, now two children, oh, now we want you to have three. Oh, you don't know. That's it. We're just empowering the people, giving them the education, giving them the, you know, contraceptives and enabling them, you know, encouraging smaller families in the developed world. Because we have to agree that, you know, we consume more out here in the developed world. Trust me, I've been to the UK, I've been shocked by the level of consumption. I've come to the US, I feel like <laughs> it's much higher here, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think the US, you guys, yeah, you're the biggest competitors. So you can imagine smaller family, you know, 
and this is the thing, you know, people even worry about, you know, any, I don't want to talk about immigration because something, you know, which is a bit controversial. But even even if immigrants move out here, because sometimes people say, oh, well, immigrants come and then they, they are the ones who are giving a lot of, you know, birth, a lot of children, blah, blah, blah. But hey, look, immigrants blend in because even here in the developed world, you see the culture, like people having two children, people fall into that. I interviewed some people when I was even in London for population matters and they had moved from Uganda and like, well, you see what's happening here. You look at the consumption and everything and the standard, the world living and people are having this many, you know, people blending to those cultures. And of course, we can't stop immigration. You know, it's happening. People moving from the developed to the, to the so-called underdeveloped countries, and obviously low and high income countries. So there's that, that's not going to stop. So we just have to have this uniform message so that when everyone gets rich, they catch up. You know, there's not going to be this extra spending. I've been here for how many years in a developed country for like over five, five, six years. If I was in Africa, I would expect it to be having, I don't know, children produce, 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 produce. But hey, like I have my own mind anyway. I've received that education, which most people have not been lucky to receive in that country. Most girls are falling out and they're not getting the chance. They're getting married with at 13, 12, what? Child marriage is a big problem. I'm told, well, I'm not told, I've read up on a research, it's also a problem here in the US, even North Carolina where I'm best, which is shocking to me. Mm-hmm. You don't expect it to be in a high income country. Like, these are things which start to you. And countries like Bangladesh then say, ah, oh, well, the US is also doing this. Oh, the UK, they also have this. And like, oh yeah. So yeah, we need big countries also to set, you know, a good example. For the rest, because the rest of us still out there in the low-income countries still look up to the big superpowers. Uh-huh. Many people pretend not to want to, like, oh, we should do our own things. But no, we are looking at you guys. We are copying practically everything. And yeah, this is one thing we should be copying as well. Because I feel like no one is talking about it like you guys. You're not shackled to childbearing. You're not shackled to childbearing. Why should we be? You went through all that, right? I talked always about this, the industrial revolution really created a lot of changes for women out here. You know, women just realize that, okay, I don't even have to be married. I do not have to, you know, to have sex for children because that's what was the overriding factor. You have sex, it's for children. Now people know, okay, I can have sex just for pleasure, you know, and it can be protected sex. It doesn't have to result into a bath. As out there, people have sex and that's a result in a bloody bath. So, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of change that needs to happen, social change, economic change, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so here's yeah. a question, which you partially answered, but I want to phrase it more specifically. So mm-hmm. you're talking about folks in the developed world, modeling smaller families, et cetera, and that resonating throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the world. What if, what role, if any, do say environmentalists in the US who are concerned about population, what role do they have in terms of what's going on in places like Uganda? Is it something like, just keep your mouth shut. It's for a place like Uganda to figure it out. Is it a thing where we set a model or is it a thing where, oh, we're gonna get engaged and we're gonna talk to Ugandans. What what role do people have in that developed world as environmentalists in places like develop, developing nations? Mm. You know what, surprisingly, uh, some of the, I think even WWF, uh, they have a program. 
out in Uganda with an organization which looks at population, health, and environments. And they know that there's a problem <laughs> with a huge population that's an impact on the environment. And they look at that. So I don't know why they pretend and never talk about it, but when they're in within our countries, because some of these organizations are partnering with our country around for ages like WWF, but they are really doing great work in protecting our biodiversity, but they should just stop ignoring this other factor because if they talked more about it, who could, oh, we could get even, you know, the investment that we need, you know, they could drive this investment, they, you know, they could see a need like, okay, because now if I want to, okay, invest in this country, why? Because if you're an environmentalist, passionate about the environment, you're like, okay, there's this problem. This country actually has this huge problem. We would love to see the environment, you know, okay, but then there's this impediment, you know, the, high fertility growth rate, the population growth rate is so high, you know? So then you look at these solutions and an investor can say, oh, wow, okay, what can I do? Let's invest in education, you know? Let's encourage the government, even, you know, you, you talk even to the people on the, on the ground and tell them, okay, campaigners, what do you want? You talk with the local people. Let's tell the government that this is what we want, but you're not going to know our needs when you just pretend that this is not happening. Oh, it's just a rough surface. Cause then you help us drive advocacy and you know talk to the government and say, okay, we need this education. What's the role of education? An educated woman can do this and this, an educated man can do that. An educated person can know this and this, you know? How about, you know, someone who is not shackled down to just, you know, pregnancy, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, that woman is going to have time for production. She's going to have time, you know, to work. She's going to have time to care for her few children. She's going to have, to, you know, the sense to send those children to school, you know. So all these, they need to know that, that there is a problem, which needs a solution, you know. If they go down to their, they're into project management, they go down to the, they sit down, they look at that problem tree. So this is the problem and the roots, the causes, all of these. And they just pick and choose when there is one which is really standing out there and they can find a solution for it. I feel like it's an injustice whereby we can get the chance to say, oh, wow, let's throw money here. So that's what we are missing out. That's what they are denying us by not talking about this problem, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I see population matters has been sending documents to you know UK Parliament. Of course, now aid was cut. But you know, so if you find like you, you can just even appeal to an environmental body, you know, within mm -hmm. the UK, and then they would see that says like, okay, there's a connection. Cool. Let's do this. Let's do that. You know. So honestly, I feel like yeah, we need these positive ethical solutions to improve people's lives. And the bottom, mm -hmm. of course, to choose smaller families everywhere globally. Mm -hmm. Because I see sometimes, you know, like one time I was managing, you know, Motivation Matters page and I still follow them on Facebook and Twitter. And you see people just blaming, oh, Africans, the ones who are the problem. Population, no, no, no. Then it's okay, fine. We are producing and producing. So do something about it. What are you doing to help us? You're in denial, first of all, you know. And you find everyone. Oh, they're the ones giving birth to these many children. Oh, they're the ones doing this, this, and this. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, fine, we are. We are. And we admit it's a problem. We admit our women want to use contraceptives. So why don't you add this into your, I don't know, 100 page document, at least put two paragraphs. 
and say, well, why don't we invest in this? What can we do to this? Because this is it. This is what's driving our biodiversity loss. This is what's going to drive that climate change, that climate crisis. You know, mm-hmm. it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, people think that, you know, there's no you know climate change, but, you know, our seasons are getting wet. Uh, the droughts have become more frequent. Yeah. You know, we are feeling it. We are feeling these effects and ignoring talking about, you know, population and empowering ethical issues. For me, I find that to be an injustice for me. Yeah. Sure. No, I agree. Yeah. So what is Project Drawdown? Yes, yeah, so Project Drawdown, uh, it's, it's an organization. <laughs> they always look at like climate-based solutions and they find solutions which are, you know, produce less emissions. If you took, if you were to like do this, this is how much emission you'd cut, uh, you know, climate change. And they give about 80 solutions. They have actually what they call it, about solutions, about 80 solutions. And they tell you that if you did this, this would happen. And on that table, they talk about health and education expansively, you know. They talk about young girls and women in particular getting educated, you know. They talk about provision of family planning so because they say education, it lays a foundation for vibrant lives for young girls and women, yeah? And of course, educated girls realize higher wages and greater upward mobility, economic growth, and all that. Of course, they would know, you know how to use the land so well. And then they talk about, of course, family planning, which is also a key issue, which people never talk about. Yet securing women's rights to voluntary high quality family planning, according to Project Drawdown, would have positive impacts on the health, welfare, and life expectancy of both women and their children. And it can also affect greenhouse gas emissions. And looking at their table, they say that's about 85.4, let's say that 85, you know, gigatons that's what you would reduce if you invested in these because they look at other things like reduce food waste plant-rich diets refrigeration management tropical forest all things that really i'm passionate about but you see among the top ones is health and education investing in that you know so this would be reduced this would be sequestered, that's a scientific word, between now 2020 and 2050, if we were to do all of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like people should look at the science. These are science, these are researchers, this is respected. They use different scenarios to, you know, to assess the global effect, uh, efforts to address climate change, which is now a huge issue on everyone's, I don't know, so, yeah, we should get to look at all these solutions. We should get to look at all the science, you know. This, like every year we are increasing numbers by about, what, 80, 82 million, 84 million people. My country, Uganda, contributes about 1.3 million per year. So you can imagine almost 200,000 people per day. And, of course, we need to stabilize the population. And this can happen. It can happen, it can happen gradually. It needs to be reduced. 
and we will achieve all of this. You know, the project wrote down what it's saying that hello, you can you can reduce eighty five gigatons between now and twenty fifty. But is that happening? Are we working on that? Uh, environmental organizations looking at this because they're doing a great job. Greenpeace or is out there. Friends of the Earth or is out there. But they never talk about these simple, simple things. And the World Science Report said, you know, policies, you know, to make family planning services available to people, they remove barriers to their access and achieve full gender equity. So would you say that the entities and environmentalists who don't want to touch the population topic because they feel like it would be a harmful thing for people in certain countries, do you feel like in their silence, they're actually doing more harm than good to the very folks they say that they care so much about? Exactly. Like I said, it's an injustice. It's an injustice because not talking about it, they shackle us to everything that's wrong within our countries, you know, high fertility, driving this, driving poverty, driving environmental degradation, you know, it's a cycle out there and we are going to eat all our natural resources to extinction, you know, we are going to do that. Yet, of course, we are taking care of the country as well, but we are also, you know, exporting stuff. I think we export lots of fish actually as Ugandans to, to the US as well. And, you know, the numbers are slumping, they're just dwindling. So they need to talk about it. Like I said, it's it's an injustice. You know, the high rate of population growth definitely contributes to the degradation of the environment. There's no doubt about it. It threatens biodiversity loss. On the continent, you know, it does. So for me, I feel like it's one of the largest threats and of course, connected to poverty, which is also a large one. Huge. By the way. So we have that, you know, so it's a huge, huge problem. And we should stop pretending. We should just say, okay, this is a problem. These are the simple technological solutions that we can do, right. you know. And I always go back to WWF because they have even a report where they at least they say, you know, by the best, the Living Planet Report, it's from WWF, no? So the overexploitation, particularly fish and mammals, has seen a decline of over 35% of the monitored population. And like I said, in Uganda, overfishing is now unprecedented. And of course, our main markets are, you know, European Union countries, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, as well as the US. So we are just, it's, it's happening, okay? So the destruction is happening. So, so to wind things down here, here's a question. So, because it's pretty easy to get in a pretty dark headspace about this stuff that it's hopeless and there's nothing mm. much we can do. And I'm not saying you've said that at all. You seem fairly optimistic and yeah. just pointing out the challenges. But so to go full optimistic, do you think that there's a chance for developing nations such as Uganda? to develop in a low impact, but genuinely sustainable way mm. that is not only great for the citizens of Uganda, but can serve as a model for the rest mm. of the world, including even developed nations to rethink about how we've kind of done our runaway consumption model. Do you think that's a possibility? It wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't happen overnight, but do you see mm, that as a potential yeah. vision? Oh, yes, definitely. It's possible. I know when I was doing my even closer at LSA, I was looking at, you know, countries which have achieved 
great health at low cost, low cost countries, Costa Rica, you look at India, Kerala, good example, even Bangladesh, you know, at low cost, we can do that. We can achieve that, but it's just that people have to accept that we have a problem. And this is the simplest technological solution we can provide. It's possible, we don't even have to have a lot of riches, you know, of course there's always been these arguments amongst economists and you know, social socialists and you know, all of that, you know, okay, need economic growth to get this. We do not even need that, we don't. It's so simple. And like I said, basics, tell people this and this, tell people the truth. We do not know the truth out there. We, like I said, a girl child is brought up believing our only purpose. Our main purpose in life is really get a man produce children, there's some people who still believe that. And there's a lot of child marriages. But imagine if we told people, no, 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 this is wrong. This is not how it is. This is the truth, you know? Just open us up to the truth. It's going to change and you don't even need a lot of money <laughs> to tell people. Like people, you go in the villages and people, uh, I remember I interviewed some drama group which is just going around the villages and just, you know, telling them through their dramas, this and this is happening, blah, blah, blah. People are listening to radios. Actually, I'm part of a, a great organization here in the US, based in the US, Population Media Center. Uh, I'm on the advisory council and they use drama to reach people, you know? They target the heart of the individual, you know? They're in about 30 countries, by the way. So you see these simple, simple things. You just need one radio program, which is going to reach almost, like almost every Ugandan listens to a radio. Of course, not everyone owns a, a bloody TV, but at least most of them listen to radio. And these guys have done research and they realize that, wow, people listen to these programs and they start inquiring. They start going to the hospitals. You see like unempowered person will go to a hospital, but an unempowered person who's not empowered, they can't even think of going to a hospital to question a nurse, to question a doctor, to, you know, to just talk about an issue that is affecting them, to question the government, no. But you see here for having conversations, these dramas are changing. They don't cost a lot. Trust me, they don't. They just want radio show and it's reaching everyone. People listen, they are bloody radios and they, they get this information and they're like, oh, wow, you know, I was a journalist, but trust me, instead of being like a journalist, I was practically telling people, like you just go and tell people and then they want to know more. Like, Ah, uh, of course, in the local language sometimes. <laughs> so I'm like, no, tell me, because <laughs> I'm the joke. Like, uh, so are you sure this and this can happen? Are you sure I can do this and this? Are you sure, you know? So yeah, you go to get their stories, but of course you end up being their educator. And I saw that there's a great need for that. You do not need a lot of money to do this, you know, just a little bit. And if our countries can't, you know, invest in it, and then we get the opportunity of people here who see that, okay, there's that need and it's cheap, and say cheap, affordable, why not invest in that? So, yeah, it's possible. Well, Florence, this has been really great. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I think the work that you're doing is incredible and you're really tying together a lot of the pieces and you're venturing into territory that I personally am just starting to take a look at. A lot of my focus has been just land in the US and I still think that's important, but there's so much more to that. And yeah, you're really touching on all that. So I, I really thank you for talking to me. Thank you for talking to listeners of the Green Root Podcast. And uh, 
yeah, definitely wish you well and we want to stay in touch. Yeah, thank you, Josh. It's, it's been amazing talking about this. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Well, thank you and you be well. <laughs>